Thank you guys so much. Good morning, everyone. How you guys doing this morning? Good, good. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Uh, excited to worship with everyone today. My name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and if you are a guest with us this morning, uh, if you wouldn't mind just taking a little bit of time at some time uh, during our gathering this morning to fill out the connection card, you'll find those in the seat backs. Uh, you'll fill that out during our gathering. And then at the end, you can meet Grant, Melody, and I out at the connections booth right out there or running around somewhere. We might be there. Um, we would just love to connect connect with you, say hi, uh, put a name to a face, uh, know how we can be praying for you or ask it, answer any questions. Um, as you guys can see this morning, we're set up a little bit different this morning. You see this? Nice little, little thing right here. So if you are sitting close to that, you're going to need to get on the dance floor right now. No, I'm just joking. So I kept the two seats there for you guys. I knew I was like, we can't take those away because then where would they sit? The Trides would be so confused. So uh, as you can see, we have that. The dance floor is here because uh, Grant's going to interpretive dance his sermon this morning, and that will be exciting. Um, he's not. Oh, he's here. Shh, dang it. Sorry. Uh, no, uh, it is our, we push back what we normally have as our community Sunday because we wanted to kick the year off well. A lot of people were coming back uh, from different traveling and holidays and all that type of stuff. So after our gathering today, we will be hanging out in here. There'll be soup in the back to eat. Uh, there's a dance floor right here. Uh, we will be dancing. We will be celebrating. We'll be having a good time. It's going to be a great way to kick off the new year and just be together and have a good time. So make sure you stick around from that. You'll also see, if you didn't get one, it is Name Tag Sunday. We don't do this every Sunday, just on our community one, so that we can get named to faces a little bit better, right? And, and we can be like, oh, yeah, so hi, hey, Peter, good, good to see you. Uh, and it helps out. So uh, we just want to connect a little bit more. If you didn't grab one, feel free to grab one afterwards, too, uh, just so that we can get to know your name. So really excited about this year, really excited to kick it off well. Um, and one thing with that, as, as a church, we're continually looking to serve into this mission statement that you'll see on this wall, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, love people, and do good. And we believe that a big part of that is being, investing in this community that, that God's placed us in. And sometimes that means being silly on a dance floor and having a good time and, and eating some soup. And sometimes that means praying for each other and being there when tough stuff goes on. And sometimes that means just kind of keeping things around here uh, uh, up, to, up to where it should be. And there's this guy, uh, Daryl, that I'm going to bring up in a second. Where'd he go? He's hiding from me. Daryl, if you're not in the room, you're missing your cue. Look at him hiding in the back. Uh, Daryl, you can start making your way up here. Uh, Daryl, if you know Daryl at all, you know that he's always kind of up to something. He's always getting into things. He's always doing stuff. And we've seen that a lot, especially over this last year. And a lot of the stuff that he does is he just has such a heart to serve this church and do it in these really tangible, really behind-the-scenes way. Um, good to see ya. Uh, so uh, one of the things that he does is just, like, maintenance, uh, cleaning out the gutters, making sure stuff's going on. And, and he's been doing that over and over and over. So with that, we decided, yeah, thank you. Look at you. So as we've seen that, we decided, you know what? It's happening anyway. We might as well make it a little bit more official. So he is officially our buildings and grounds supervisor. Did you know that? Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll get you a little name badge too, so you can wear it on campus so no one kicks you off. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he's our buildings and grounds supervisor. Uh, one of the things that he does is he just wants to care for this church, care for this community. Uh, in really tangible ways, uh, making sure that stuff like that's taken care of saves us from huge expenses later. If you're looking out for that, and if you have someone on our campus who's being diligent about that. So we just thank you so much for stewarding your time, your gifts, all of those things. And one of the things that we're asking, uh, because he is but one man, a mighty man, but one man, uh, we're asking if you are... Um, able-bodied, and just want to help. You don't have to have any knowledge. You don't have to know what's going on. Daryl will help you out and let me know what's going on. If you're just willing to be on a list, if he has a big project or something coming up or something that he needs to get done and needs someone to hold the ladder or needs someone to help out in that, uh, please meet Daryl right out at the Connection Center. He'll have this sign up right here, 
And that is simply putting you on a list so that he can reach out if he needs help with something and have an extra set of hands. So if you're willing to do that, please meet us out there. Please just put your name down. Uh, It's really easy for him to move on to the next name uh, if you're busy that week. So don't feel conflicted about it. Just if you're willing to help us out, we would love to have that. Uh, And then one other thing that we want to do is we just want to pray for Daryl. Uh, I just want to pray for you uh, from the church, uh, for all that you, all the ways that you serve, all the giftings that you have, that you give to us behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see, and we're really grateful for it. So I'm just going to pray for you as you step into this new official role. You feel official now? Good. Man of many words. Well, God, I just thank you so much for my brother, Daryl. I thank you for his heart. I just thank you for, Lord, the years of of work that he's put in, different trades he's worked at, different skills that he's developed, knowledge that he has. Lord, all of those things that he's taking now to serve this community, to serve this church, these facilities, these grounds. Lord, I just thank you that he uh, is stewarding these gifts that you have developed in him. Lord, I just uh, pray that you would be with him in the midst of this, Uh, even in simple things like being with him as he climbs up a ladder or does things but as well as he's trying to balance all the other things he's got going on, that you would just give him uh, capacity, that you would give him a peace, and that you would give him a joy in his ability to serve in this way. And Lord, we also ask that you just give him a a good team around him of people that can come alongside him and and be a support to him as he looks to serve this community, Lord. So we're so grateful for Daryl and just ask that you be with him and Gina in this whole process. And we give these things to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Daryl. I was going to start a Daryl chant. Oh, clipboard. I'll give this to you later. Actually, I'll give it to you now because I'll forget. Let's be honest. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yes. He wants me to clarify. You do not need to be a skilled person to get on that list. No skills required. Zero skills. Maybe standing or like... I don't know, something needs to be required. But uh, yeah, so really it's to help out. He's super smart. He can help you figure out whatever's going on. Uh, And then as well, I want to let you guys know on the 22nd and the 29th, um, our year-end giving letters, no, that's wrong, uh, our giving statements, yes, uh, are going out those couple of weeks uh, to get them out by the end of the month. So uh, they will be here, uh, no, they will go out. They'll be emailed. I'm sorry. I'm not up to date on this. That's why I have Linda here. So they will be emailed out to you. So if you are expecting one and you don't get one or uh, anything like that, please reach out to the office. Um, let us know. We, um, we want to make sure you guys are getting that as tax season is coming up and you have all that information. So those will be going out. And on that note as well... Um, I'd like to just draw your attention to a couple different ways you can give. Uh, there is a text-to-give option. There's an, a way to give online. Um, as usual, in the back of the seats, there's a little envelope that says give. You can give in there, and then there's a box right outside those doors on the wall that says give. You can put that in there. That works as well. Uh, and then you can also give through the Church Center app. And any of those things, any of those ways, if you run into any issues or you're confused on that, please let us know. We'd love to help you. And if you have any questions about where this goes or how that works or what does it mean to give in a church or to a church, uh, please come talk to us. We want to be transparent with that. We want to answer questions. We always put our statement on the back of the worship guide where we're at with our giving. We want to be transparent with that as we look to just steward these finances Uh, and move forward with this mission that we believe God has us on. So with that, I would love to pray for the rest of our gathering uh, as we keep going. Lord, we're grateful for today. We're grateful for this new year that brings with it uh, new opportunities, um, new thoughts, maybe some new rhythms. Uh, We have a lot of hopes as, as the year, as most of the year is in front of us, Lord. But God, today I ask that you would just allow us to be present. Lord, I pray that you would be uh, with Grant as he comes onto the stage, as he launches us into this new series we're going through. Lord, that through his preparation, through his prayer, Lord, that your word would just be spoken, that you would be ministering to us. Lord, even before he speaks, Lord, we know you are working in the hearts of every person. We just ask that you 
uh, guide us and direct us through his teaching this morning. So God, I pray for him uh, that you would just give him a peace and a joy as he's up here bringing your word uh, and directing us and launching into this new series. And Lord, we ask that you would just bring us a ton of joy after this gathering's over as we share in soup and community and dancing and being silly. Lord, all these things are a part of life and all these things are things that we just thank you for that we get to experience and participate in. So we give all these things to you and trust them to you. In your name, amen. Thanks, Josh. Ah, oh, this is interesting. Dance floor in the front. So are you ready for the interpretive dance of Hebrews chapter one? In the beginning was the word, no. So, um, just interesting, just a little aside, you know, sometimes you think you're doing something very earthly and just practical, and God's actually got a plan for it. I just want to share with you guys, on uh, Friday, I came and met two guys who were assembling this dance floor, and uh, I love when people are honest when you ask them how they're doing. One of the guys asked him, how are you doing? He said, terrible. And uh, he's recently been diagnosed with cancer, and it's hard, right? So... I'm just uh, praying, you know, and they're setting it up and he needs to stop for a bit to catch his breath. And so um, I just realized it's not about the dance floor anymore. You know, I, I was booking a dance floor. It's my crazy idea, but I think it's so I can meet this guy. His name's Richard, and I appreciate you pray for him. I gave him my card and I said, you know, what's your support system like? And I don't know if he has a whole large support system for this time. And I said, if you ever want to chat, get a coffee, no agenda, you know, pray. That's, that's our lives, right? That's what we're trying to learn to do, to see uh, what God is doing in, in other people. And sometimes we get so caught up in, in the practical things, you know, the transactional stuff that we forget to look past that and, and see the person and say, okay, God, here I am today. You know, send me. So, um, yeah, just, um, you know, you guys don't know, I'm sure, but pray for Richard. Um, um, so, yeah, Happy New Year. I was gone last week, and it was the first... I was told that you're not meant to say Happy New Year after the 4th of January by someone, an authority in the matter. But what are the rules about that? Are there rules? Is it any time in the year when it's the first time you see the person? So if I don't see someone until August, I could say Happy New Year, by the way. Is that good? Okay. Well, as usual, uh, I'll do whatever I feel like doing. Um, so I'm saying Happy New Year today on the 8th of uh, January. And I was thinking about, you know, what to talk about? Um, well, of course, I'm going to talk about Hebrews, because that's what we're going to do, uh, and that kind of dictates a lot of what we're going to do, but I realized this, that pretty much, well, most pastors kind of have this question they ask themselves at the beginning of the year, do I talk about New Year's resolutions? Because it's like a big thing, right? And, and I look through a lot of sermons. I've done a lot of first of the year sermons, uh, and a lot of them kind of covered that um, idea, that, that concept. Uh, I noticed a couple of years I was trying to go different. I went different to something, you know, remarkably unique and different to, to surprise people. But this year I thought, you know, there's actually something really, the reason why we think, why should I talk about New Year's sorry, resolutions? Wow. God, I'm like two weeks away and I'm, I can't speak. Okay. Um, because there's something really at the heart of that that is so human and reflects so much about our human nature that we have this desire to change. And it seems to kind of erupt at the, this time of the year when we've kind of had the holidays and it feels like we have a fresh page laid out in front of us. It's almost like waking up in the morning and going like, today, right? But this, this sense of this, it actually really tells us something about ourselves, this desire to make promises and, and to want to change, to become different, better in whatever way that might be. And it's a fruitful place, I think, into which we can invite Jesus, because that's what we do at these times with the Word of God. We, we bring ourselves, all that we are, so human, and we invite Jesus into that conversation, into that place. Because it's kind of a tension within the whole New Year's resolutions situation. I think most people are in one of five camps. I did a lot of research personally about this, and there's about five different ways I think maybe we can see resolutions. The first one is those who make resolutions optimistically, you fools. <clears throat> you know, I'm going to do this this year. Then there's those who make resolutions, but they make them pessimistically. Well, I don't really see the point, but I may as well try. 
Then there's those who don't make them because they've failed in the past. They just don't bother. They've given up. Like, I guess I'm just me. I will never change. And then there's those who don't make them because they never do what other people do. They're rebels, right? Oh, most people do this. Oh, I don't do that. And then there's those, a much smaller group, who make resolutions and keep them. Or they lie about keeping them. Um, and the ones who keep them, I'm not sure they're even human. So I want to ask you, does anyone here have a New Year's resolution? Please don't be no one have a New Year's resolution. It's just missed the p- Anyone? Something you're saying I want to do or don't do, yeah. Eat healthy. Anyone else? Yeah, Art. That's a good one. That's a, that's a perennially uh, good one. Dar- Darren. Get closer to God. Okay. You've come to the right place, laddie. <laughs> Anyone else? Just no one else wants to admit it. Or you're all in second count, or you're, you're pessimistically like, what's the point even mentioning it? I've already broken it. It's been eight days, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Linda. More mindful of taking care of yourself. Yeah, okay. I have a few. You want to hear my resolutions? So one of them is to stop using aerosol deodorants. Roll on 2023. <laughs> I have another one. I'm resolving to buy a Velcro wall, and I really plan on sticking to it. And I'm going to give up club sandwiches, but I don't think I can give up cold turkey. <laughs> and the last one, and best one, my New Year's resolution is to stop being so condescending. Condescending means talking down to people. <laughs> okay. Do you want more? No. So. You know, there's something about the enthusiasm, as I said, that with which we sometimes enter into these promises that, and also the consequent guilt when we fail to live up to our promises that I think kind of exemplifies, I know for me, a lot of the weariness I feel uh, at the current time just being human. Um, and I think this letter to the Hebrews, as it's called, which we're going to discover it's maybe not so aptly named, um, is a great place to go. Uh, because it's a really interesting uh, part of the New Testament and, and not often talked about, preached on, studied, because it's, it's got a lot of comp- complex stuff in it. It's got a lot of, all of Old Testament in it. It's very kind of shrouded in mystery. Most of the documents in the New Testament, we have some idea of who they were written to and, and who wrote them and the purpose for which they wrote them. But for this one, uh, I've read a lot of commentaries, and they pretty much all agree. As one commentator uh, said, uh, to the questions, to, by whom, to whom, when, where, and why, honestly concludes, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know, don't know. Okay, but one thing we can see is from the content of what the person says, something about the situation into which he or she was writing. Um, you know, there's some famous little lines from Hebrews such as, don't give up meeting together. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Press on. That's what we're calling this series, pressing on. Um, It sounds like these people, in a multitude of ways, were just weary. They had apparently come to Christ. This is probably second or third generation Christians after Christ has risen. Um, And they're starting to flag. They're getting weary. They're starting to neglect gathering together. Um, They're starting to experience what it feels like to be different from the other people around them, Uh, especially if they're people who have kind of left a particular uh, stream of, of God's people in, in Judaism and are moved into this new Christianity thing. They're starting to feel uncomfortable with that. And for many reasons, um, they're struggling. And I'm sure if there were New Year's resolutions in that time, they'd probably be making some with an attempt to put a brave face on it and just try and do better. Well, the writer here cared enough about his friends and us uh, to write this really long and exhaustive like letter to them, message to them. And he does really one thing, which is why another reason we picked this, is he shines a really, really bright light on Jesus. That's what he concludes they need to see again to understand more deeply. So we're going to begin uh, this year, and hopefully we'll see that there's some, there are some resolutions that we can make right at the start of this year that can, that can set us right. Uh, so I'm going to read Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. You can follow along on the screen or if you have a Bible or your phone, whatever you use. Here's how it begins. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. 
But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father, or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Are you confused? It's challenging, isn't it? I have no idea what to talk about now. No, I'm kidding. It's challenging. It was written a long time ago. It's very, very high language. Um, but really what the author is trying to do is, is to focus immediately on Jesus. All the other letters in the New Testament start with Paul, an apostle sent by God, grace and peace to you, etc. This person immediately jumps straight in to the point with no messing around. Gets straight into the work at hand. And these are lots of Old Testament quotes in here. He's trying to show them something from the Old Testament about Jesus. So what's the very first thing? He says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in many ways. This is like an amazingly clever way of summarizing pretty much the entire Old Testament. Incredible. In the past, God spoke. God spoke. In the beginning was God, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, etc. It goes on and on. And he spoke to our ancestors, those who came before us, those in whom we are moving past, and through the prophets of many times and in various ways. Um, and angels, references to angels. We don't talk much about angels uh, in church at all, do we? We don't talk about it, but... Um, the purpose of mentioning angels is because this is a very important way by which God spoke to people and to the prophets. And, and there's so many of them. I actually did a study. I, I looked at the word angel in the Bible, and it was, I was amazed at how many different moments there were punctuating the whole history that, of he, that he's referring to when God spoke through an, some kind of angelic visitor, either in a vision or some kind of situation with an angel. And I'm just going list, to list these off to, so you can see how many there are. The first, right at the beginning, an angel expelling Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. There was an angel set at the gate to, to keep them from coming back in. Then there was Hagar, Abraham, who had a child with Abraham, and who, was, who brought Ralph into the desert. And God came, set an angel, and, and said, God sees you. And Abraham himself, who was told by an angel that, um, that he would be, uh, there would be generations coming from him. And Lot, you may be familiar with some of these names, maybe you're not. Lot and the sad story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jacob, who wrestled with an angel on the mountain. And Moses, you know, who saw a burning bush, but also said there was a voice of an angel, that the angel of the Lord spoke to him from out of the burning bush. And Balaam, this is a weird story. Remember the guy on the donkey? He was on his way. And the donkey was cleverer than he was. There was a, an angel with a big weapon standing in front of him. And the donkey's like, I'm not going any further forward. I ended up talking to Balaam, actually. Um, all the people of Israel in the wilderness experienced an angelic uh, visitation. Gideon, the prophet, he was called to do his ministry by the angel. King David experienced an angelic encounter, as did Elijah. 
Oh, I think we've gone too far. I think that's, um, which one is that? I got my pictures out of order. That's Daniel. Yeah, Elijah was the one before who was fed by ravens and angels came and visited him. The prophet Zechariah was called into his ministry by an angel. As was Zechariah, who was John the Baptist's father. An angel spoke to him. Jesus' mother Mary, we just celebrated Christmas and that was also a time. Let's go, can we forward to the Mary one? That's Zechariah. And then Zechariah, and then the next one. Mary, yeah, Mary was visited by Gabriel. And Mary's husband Joseph was warned in a dream by an angel not to go back, to, to leave and go to Egypt. The first women to visit the empty tomb and realize that Jesus had risen were encountered an angel. Peter was released from prison by an angel. Cornelius, who was a centurion in the Roman army, had an angelic visitation with a message. And the apostle Paul also when he was on a boat and he was fearful of being shipwrecked, an angel told him that they would all be saved and spared. And then finally, John the disciple in Revelation was, um, was given this incredible vision with, with an angel. I was kind of surprised how many times that happened. You know, some of you don't read the Old Testament much. Like, you know, we don't dig in. And, and, and when you start doing a survey, like, you realize, like, there's something really significant that this person's picking up on by mentioning angels and, and using them as a comparison with Jesus. Because God spoke in this way to their ancestors. God actually spoke. What kind of things did God say? Well, all sorts of things. That could be a, another big list, but we don't have time for that. But some of them, Abraham was told, go into the land that I will show you and he said, you will have descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore. And his wife, Sarah, was told by these angels that came, even though you're old, you're going to have a child. And Moses was told, go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to set my people free by the angelic voice that spoke from the burning bush. Mary, Jesus' mother, was told, you will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And even the women who came to the tomb had a message, he is not here, he is risen go to Galilee, he will meet you. So the whole Old Testament, he's trying to say that God spoke to our ancestors, clearly spoke to them. And that is really important and wonderful. And what God said came to pass. There are several passages in the Old Testament that refer to the fact that God makes promises and he sticks to them and they always come to pass. In Joshua, not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Each one was fulfilled. And Solomon said, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. There's this continuous faithfulness from God. What he says will come to pass. Psalm 119, your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. Psalm 145, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. So the author starts like this. He, he, he sort of summarizes the entirety of their past encounters with God to say two things, that God spoke and that he makes promises and keeps them. He is faithful but what he really wants them to understand is the very next part of the verse, in, in beginning of verse two. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He has spoken to us by his son. What did he say in the Old Testament? He said many things. We can make lists of all the things that God said to people. Some of them are very specific to that moment. For example, make some bread or go and tell this person this message. What has he said in Jesus? Because he's spoken, we're told he's spoken to us by his son. And what he has said is everything that we ever need to hear for every human experience, every need, every longing, every hope. And it's not just what Jesus did, that he came and he served and he teached and he healed and he died and he rose again, but just the, the actual actuality of Jesus himself is what communicates. Everything about him communicates everything that God wants 
to tell us his creation. In 2 Corinthians, this is made abundantly clear when the Apostle Paul writes this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Everything that God has ever said or promised at any time, in any place, to anyone has been replied with yes in Christ, to which we can then say amen in response. So the author, Hebrews, starts off not telling us who he is, but telling us who Jesus is, and he goes like deep. You know, this is a hard passage to kind of like, it's kind of a bit unwieldy, you know? It's kind of just trying to get all these bits together. So I like to group things under headings. There's three sections I'm going to share about what he tells us about this Christ, Jesus. The first thing is who he is. He is God's son. He is the heir of all things. The radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being. He is superior to angels in person as well as name. He's God's firstborn. The God's angels worship Jesus. God calls Jesus God. That's astounding. It says, what's what's it say again? Let's go back to that passage. It says, um, um, your throne, about the sun, God says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. God calls Jesus Lord, and then he is anointed with the oil of joy. It's such a beautiful thing to say that Jesus forever and ever is anointed with the oil of joy. The second part is what has he done? The author says the universe was made through Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the works of his hands and that he has loved righteousness and hated wickedness. What is he doing? He is sustaining all things by his powerful word. He has provided purification for sins, purification, sanctification, forgiveness. He is seated currently at the right hand of God. His throne is and will last forever and ever. The scepter of his kingdom will be a scepter of justice. Nothing else is permanent. It says, we'll wear it like a garment. Jesus will remain. Everything else will be changed, but a new heaven and a new earth, uh, um, Jesus will remain the same, pardon me. Uh, His years will never end. He will be victorious. Just pile upon pile, word upon word upon word about the magnificence and the completeness and the sufficiency of Jesus. So where does this leave us with our New Year's resolutions? in that situation where we feel that we have a desire to change, but yet we seem incapable by our own strength and willpower of enacting that change. Well, here's a few things that it tells us. The first thing is we need to realize and understand that Jesus made us. He made us. I think typically like when we have a sense of something that needs to change, they are usually, if you think about it, somewhat in alignment with what God would probably want for us, okay? So to take care of our body, to get fitter, uh, to be kinder, to spend more time with God, most of the resolutions I've ever done have their kind of origin in something that's very true about who God has made me to be as a human being. And what has he made me to be as a human being? He's made me for relationship with himself and with you guys, And and you know, in particular, not just generally, but this is the body of Christ. Therefore, he has made me to be in relationship with you guys. Therefore, I I will serve you well. I will love you well. I will forgive you and and seek your forgiveness. I will try and live in in a good manner with you in community. And I think most of the resolutions that we make sort of get to that in a way. They say like, I think I need to change this because there's some dissonance whether it's a relational thing or something with God or something about the way I see myself, I think this might help me if I change it. And I think that's important to realize. We have desires in us for change that he placed there. 
because he made us. That's the first thing. The second thing is Jesus, who made us, is remaking us. That is what he is doing in the world right now. He is remaking us. I'd like to tell you that Jesus loves you way more than you love yourself. And if you think there's things about yourself that are harmful and you would like to see changed, doesn't he think so all the more so from his heart of love for you that he'd like to see you grow and be transformed and changed? And he is currently doing that. But I think here's a problem sometimes with New Year's resolutions. I think often we make New Year's resolutions which are about getting at symptoms rather than the core issue that really is the problem. I think many of the things that we are trying to stop, whether it's overeating or over drinking or wherever, or, or secluding ourselves from people and we go like, I need to change that, is trying to deal with symptoms. And God wants to deal with our hearts. You know, uh, Damer Hamlin, I'm not a football fan. I rarely ever bring a football illustration, so I deserve great kudos for this. <laughs> I didn't even know who he was. But he's a Buffalo Bills football player, and he had a really horrible moment. And thankfully, he's talking, and he's doing okay, um, as far as I know, right? It was a horrible moment. He had a tackle, and he collapsed. Um, um, and what did they do when, they, when, they, when he fell? Did they uh, adjust his uniform to be more comfortable or maybe relace his shoes or use a little bit of that cold spray that you use on muscles when they're difficult? No, what did they do? They immediately performed CPR because his heart had stopped. They went straight to the heart of the problem. And this one, Jesus, who made us, who loves us, wants to do the very same thing. And we often just want to do some window dressing, you know? We're gonna deal with the symptoms of our broken hearts, our hearts that are estranged from one another and estranged from God, and God in Christ wants to get right to our hearts. So here's a question. Have you been asking Jesus what he wants to change this year? Or is it more about what I would like to change? Particularly something that's embarrassing, uncomfortable, annoying, whatever that thing, right? This is not working for me anymore, I wanna stop doing it. But have we ever actually gone like, okay, so you are this Lord, I, you made me, you're in all things, you know me completely, inside and out. Have you asked him what he wants to change? I was thinking about 2020, January 2020, everyone's so excited, it's new, happy new year, woohoo, 2020. And, and my, my resolution, folks, is such great, I wanna spend more time with people, just like really up close. <laughs> I want to spend more time with Barb here and with Bill and Angela. I just want to be really close, right? Fantastic. It's going to be a great year. I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to not be an introvert. I'm going to be an extrovert. I'm going to be around everyone's houses. And then March 2020 comes along. And that's not going to happen, my friend. Have you been asking Jesus what he wants to change how do you decide what to prioritize? If we're not gonna go after symptoms or just the things that are uncomfortable or difficult or causing us trouble, or, or you know, whether it's about ourself, you know, image, whatever it might be, I think often those things are there, but they're symptoms. You know, he has, this is a kind of a crass description, but he has a, a prioritized list of things he would like to, to heal in you and, and deal with, right? And some of the things that you think should be number one are probably way down here. And we probably don't even want to know what number one is, because it's probably the thing we most are kind of, you know? Don't touch that. So we ask. That's what we do. Scripture says, ask, seek, knock, and you will find and receive, and the door will be opened. This is what the Hebrews writers want to say, like, stop playing with the peripheral stuff and get to the heart this relationship with God, because that's the third thing. Jesus is more than an angel. Why is he talking about angels? Well, what do angels do? They simply deliver a message. That's what they are. They're errand boys or girls, or I don't know. And they don't have wings, by the way. That's, every single picture has wings. There's very few wings in the Bible on angels. Chickens, yes, in the Bible, but not, <laughs> not angels. They deliver a message. That's their job. And I think sometimes we relate to Jesus more like an angel than as he actually is. 
It is this, give me a message. I will reply to you, give me a message. And what we need to relate to him more is all the things that he's saying. Uh, he is a friend. Jesus is our, it's a relationship, an ongoing relationship, and that is everything about it. He is not like an angel. He is higher than an angel. He is God in a way that we can understand and relate to, and he therefore also relates to us because he has been in our skin, on our earth, in our shoes. And the last thing is Jesus is sufficient. And, I, you know, Jesus is sufficient. There's a proverb, chapter 19, verse 21, that says, many are the plans in a person's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I used to think sometimes in my guilty shame days that that was a bad thing to hear because it's almost like, many plans in a person's heart, you idiot, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails um, and you're bad, you know? But I've come to see this differently. Many of the plans in a person's heart. Yes, it's a given. It's a fact. That's how we live. Our hearts are full of plans. But thank Jesus, it is the Lord's Purpose that prevails, even in the midst of our false trails, comfort-seeking, all the things that we do. We are human beings. Maybe think about jigsaws. Who did a jigsaw over the holidays? That's not good enough. <laughs> Melody, yeah. I know yours was frustrating, wasn't it? Yeah, you looked very thoroughly exasperated by the end. Well, that's me. I don't really like doing jigsaws. I usually put like one piece in because my family loves me and they want to feel like I did contribute something. But I'm always astonished when the jigsaw is complete. It literally astonishes me because when it's not complete, I can't actually imagine this thing's ever going to come together because I can't find the piece. I've literally taken every single piece of a jigsaw and placed it in one particular spot and none of them fit and I'm like, there's lost pieces. Those, that store has sold us a defective jigsaw puzzle. Whereas Rana is always confident. My wife, the main jigsaw puzzle doer, is always confident. She's done a lot of jigsaw puzzles. She trusts the process. I get impatient and, and start saying, oh, no, this is not going to work out. And at the end, I'm always like, no way. And she's like, well, what did I tell you? It's a jigsaw. It's, like, it's hard. That's the point. That's why you do it. Taxes your brain. Gives you something to do. You know... God is putting our lives together. We don't see it right now, maybe. Maybe we do think we lost a piece, right? I lost a piece years ago, and I don't think I'm ever going to find it. But this Christ, this Jesus, whom this author is going to describe for ever many weeks that we do this thing, is telling us that Christ is completely sufficient for your past, your present, your future, and for today. And you can be okay being who you are today because his promises will, his purposes and promises will prevail in the midst of our lives. He is trustworthy. Jesus made us. He is remaking us. He is more than an angel. He is a friend, a brother. He is sufficient. So I've got a few resolutions that maybe we could all own in, in light of this. The first one is embrace your life, your life. Don't run from your life. Don't wish you were someone else. Don't look around and compare yourself. Embrace your life. This, the proximity of Jesus is, is the most remarkable thing in his love for you as you are right now. He knows what he's doing. Respond if he calls you. Ask, seek, knock. He will open the door. You will receive. You will understand. He'll give you the steps as you go. But embrace your life today. Don't run from it. Don't just keep time. Don't long for the day when you're going to be this or that or that's going to be better. Embrace your life today. And if you, if you don't think it's something worth embracing, go to him and say, Christ, here is my life such as it is. Take it. It's yours. I need you. Take my life. And he will take you at your word. The second thing is live in grace. Live in grace. I think there's an awful lot of law in resolutions. I know there is for me. Start of the year. I mean, what is that routine, right? I promise I will do this. Day three, didn't do it. Shame, guilt, give up. Right? Grace says, well, I'm not surprised that 
you know, you're human and you didn't manage to keep that way overarching promise of going to the gym for three hours every day. Like, there's no way. You didn't even think you are going to be able to do it. So drop the shame. Drop the guilt. Be here right now. If God tells you to go to the gym for three hours a day, I would suggest that he'll give you the power to do it. I actually remember I used to smoke. Shh, don't tell anyone I smoke cigarettes. And, and uh, it was way back when Ron and I were first married and uh, Ron became with child and I thought, I need to stop smoking. And I'd started going to church more and I was actually starting to work at the youth group a little bit and I thought, I can't smoke cigarettes. And so I was like, I'm gonna stop. So I, I tore up those foul things and they were much cheaper then so it was a lot easier to smoke. And I said, I'm going to do this thing. And day two, I was the most angry, aggressive, horrible, horrible person to my beloved wife. And I was desperate. I was like, God, help me. And really, literally, I'm not saying this is a, like I say, messages are for a person at the time, right? But it was basically like, you're, you're being horrible to your wife. Just get yourself a cigarette and stop it. Stop, this is worse, you know? And trust me. So I said, okay. So I was a much nicer person after, you know, some hits of nicotine. And I said, okay, God, you tell me when to stop. And I will, if you give, you give me the strength then, but you tell me and I will stop. Within like a couple of weeks, I was actually having a shower or something, or bad, you know, the times when your brain's not switched on, and I got this strong sense of like, boom, this is it. And next day I woke up in the morning and said, okay, God, you've called me to this. Today's the day. Give me the strength. And it was awful. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it, was, it literally was really not difficult at all. It's a whole different process. Me mustering my strength to do what I think I should do versus saying, God, what do you want to do when you want to do it? I will seek to obey you because you'll give me the strength to do it. Living grace. There's, a, there's a, a saying I really like by this guy, Brooks Atkinson. It said, drop the last year into the silent limbo of the past. Let it go, for it was imperfect. And thank God that it can go. I think sometimes we also build our resolutions on the failures of the previous year. Guilt is not a good motivation for change. Love is a good motivation for change. Let all that Jesus be is be the motivation for change. And the last thing is seek Jesus first. Bring everything to him. Bring everything to him. The first of the year, bring that to him. The first of the day, bring that to him. Bring that to him. So we're, um, embrace your life. Live in grace, seek Jesus first. I think we could maybe do those things, you know? And I think the other things will start to take care of themselves. Maybe uh, if we take care of some more of these things. We're going to have communion now. I'm going to invite the band up. And they're, they're going to just instrumentally play for a bit while we come up tables at the front and the back. You can take the little cup of juice and the little piece of bread. This is a means of responding, not to me, not to what I've said, not to New Song Church, but to Christ who made you, who's remaking you, who loves you. And by doing this, you're saying, I don't know where this is all going to go, but I want this. I want to follow Jesus. I want to know God better. I want to know him. So the band is uh, coming up. And yeah, so they're going to play for a bit. And then they're going to sing the song they did at the beginning. Does anyone know who that song was by that we did at the start of the service? Bob Dylan. Does anyone know about Bob Dylan's story? So this song's called Pressing On. And it's, it's during his time when he had a real transformative encounter with the Christian faith and became a Christian. And I don't know all of Bob Dylan's story. I imagine it's probably very hard for a famous person to come to Christ when all the church starts saying, hey, stop singing songs about wind blowing and things and start singing more about Jesus. He did a couple of albums that were very Christian. Um, he was raised in the church. Uh, I think he still attends kind of spiritual stuff. He's very connected now with uh, the Jewish faith, but it kind of gets at the kind of question of, of the challenges of this journey, of this walk with Jesus. Uh, and he simply says, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on to the higher calling of my Lord. So you guys want to just, like, you want to just jam out for a little bit while people get their communion? And then we'll take it together.
Uh, did everyone receive, we, we realize you ran out of little cups this morning, we'll be getting some more, but did everyone who wants to participate receive some juice and some bread? Is there anyone who needs? Okay. Yeah, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread uh, and he took a cup and he transformed all the meaning of that. And, and his disciples were probably pretty perplexed, you know, but he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing and he was gonna carry them through. He had plans, he had purposes, and they were participants and observers of what he was carrying out. And only with hindsight, I think, would they look back and they wrote these letters and they said, wow, we know what he was doing then. He was taking all the things God said in the past and he was bringing them right up into the future. And we didn't understand, but he'd made his promises and they came to pass. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence that the promises he has made will still come to pass. We are his. He will never leave us or forsake us. We take this bread in remembrance of him that though he was God, he did not consider that something to be used for his own advantage, but he made himself a servant, even to death on the cross. Let's take the bread. And he took a cup, and on that evening he said, this is the, my blood of the new covenant, just poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And therefore, we can live in grace. We can get up in the morning confident of a day with some highs, some lows, but with his constant presence with us, that we are redeemed, we are his people. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Lord. We are, we are your people. We are the work of your hands. Uh, we need you every hour, every minute. Lord, I pray that um, each one of us today would be able to step aside from the busyness, bringing our honest hearts before you with thanksgiving and with a sense of a longing that we know will one day be fulfilled. Show us, Lord, what you're doing in our time, in our place, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our community. And from hearts that are being healed, may we go out and share the good news that you did not leave us alone, that you came that you're here, that you are speaking. And may we hear your voice. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.